welcome to the Tim's Take. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And when the baby sleeps, we podcast. Here we are, episode three. Can you believe it? Week three. Our kid is three weeks old tomorrow. We survived this far. We've crawled our way to this mark. If you listened to last week's episode, I think we can say that this week was a better week. Definitely a better week. Rachel's parents are here, which has been helpful. Extra hands to hold him. That's probably helped us along. They've done a lot of laundry for us. Thank you, Mom and Dad. They've done a lot of dishes for us. Thank you. Makes a big difference when you have a three-week-old baby. Yeah, it really does. I think we felt that. And just to not have things pile up at the end of the day is huge. Feels a little more human. Yeah, both of us do. The other day, my dad said to us, oh, this is the least haggard you've looked. No offense. But... Yeah, I wasn't sure how to take that exactly, but thanks. You didn't say we were haggard before, but good to know you were thinking yeah. it. It's like if you just get inside people's heads, oh, you look great. Oh my goodness, they look like they're falling apart. So anyway, we do look better. We're on the up and up. Hopefully. We'll see. Let's dive into highs and lows, though, and give people a a little bit of a deeper look. What do you want to start with this week? Your choice. Do we usually start with lows? We do. Yeah, that's probably a good one to start with, right? Kind of get it out of the way. Yep. Well, do you want me to go first? Sure. Well, this week was different than last week. Last week, it felt like I had so many lows that I could pick from, and I had to think hard on the highs. This week, I had to think a little bit harder on the lows. So that's encouraging uh, because it suggests that maybe some things are shifting. And of course, next week, it will probably flip-flop again. I'm sure. But my low this week is maybe a continuation of quite a bit of your talk about breastfeeding and feeding Oliver and all of that because we talked about that on Friday, obviously, and we're processing that with you, dear listener, and with each other. And then Saturday, it just became too much. And Rachel was in, I think, agony. I would describe it pretty close. On the pain scale that they ask you in medical settings, it would have been a seven or eight when I was trying to breastfeed him. Which is not great when he's breastfeeding for not 15 seconds, but more like 30 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we had to rethink what we were doing, retool a little bit, and go and incorporate a bottle just to give Rachel a break occasionally. And that was just a hard decision to make. It was super hard. I don't have another low. This was also my low. We can both talk about it then. So we'll both just talk about it. But yeah, after one particular feeding that afternoon, it just felt like too much. And so I texted the lactation consultant that we had met with earlier in the week and said, hey, things are not better and I don't know how long I can keep doing this. What do you recommend? And so she suggested ice and ibuprofen. And then she said, you know, if you need a break, it's okay to pump and alternate between pumping and with a bottle and then trying to breastfeed him just to give yourself some recovery time. And as soon as I read that, I broke down into tears Mm. and said to Matt, I need a break. If we keep going, this will not be sustainable. And I really want to breastfeed, but I'll give up. And I think that... You know, so interesting part of processing this, at least for me, is I think both of us would say, however you feed your child, whatever path you need to take to make them healthy, we we aren't super breastfeeding Nazis or anything like that coming into this at all. 
But that's not to say that as we've gone through it, we didn't develop desires. We'd love to do this if possible. And so part of even processing it on a podcast for me has been, okay, how do I articulate the things I felt? Because I, I don't feel judgy towards people who definitely not go formula from the beginning right and in fact i feel even more empathy for people who have to do that for all kinds of reasons based on what you've gone through and what we've gone through together but yet we do have this desire if possible this would be great if we could do this and obviously it's proven to have its ups and downs and challenges but that was a low for me too and i think i was just overwhelmed with the emotion Oh, I mean, we were both crying. And well, first of all, we also weren't really equipped to know what that meant at first. How did we sanitize things? What things do we need? And so you're both plunging into the emotions of the moment and trying to plunge into the logistics of the moment. To make this happen. And so in the next hour, because he just fed, we now have to feed him in another hour And you're having to dig through all these products that you registered, having no idea when you would need them, if you would need them, and sanitize them and clean them and get ready and figure out how to put a pump together. It was a lot to handle. And that was like two hours. My parents were coming into town that (laughs) night. So eventually we sent out the SOS to Matt's parents and just said, hey, we need you. Can you please come over? Um, And I'm super glad we did that. It's one of those moments where you just need... Other people who are, again, I think we've talked about this in the past, outside of your world a little bit, who just by being there bring a little bit of comfort. But that was a whirlwind of a hard afternoon and evening, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) The, The nice thing is that was last Saturday for us as we sit here. So it was almost a week ago. And I think things have gotten better we've maybe gotten used to some of the logistics which helps a lot once that's not as overwhelming and you just okay this is what i do each time and this is how it works that's helpful and then maybe oliver is improving a little bit we don't know there's a big question mark there yeah i want to be hopeful that he's improving in terms of breastfeeding and that we're learning together and some other pieces that we've put into place that maybe that's making a difference. And I don't know where this journey will lead. And as Matt said, we don't necessarily have this as the be-all, end-all that, you know, we have to feed our son this way. There's lots of ways we can do this. I think this is a desire, so we're going to try everything we can. But ultimately, his health and my mental and physical health are the most important. And it got to the point where I was not having any joy in my relationship with him because this was so painful. And realizing, obviously, his health is critical, but beyond that, the way in which we keep him healthy, if it's damaging other things, you have to really evaluate that, which I didn't expect that to be so complicated of a process. Yeah, that was one of the beautiful things kind of in the midst of that low for me was, I think you you said that out loud, I do not want to associate this pain with him. I don't want to feel bitter towards him or develop resentment towards him and for me that was actually a really beautiful moment because it was to recognize these fighting kind of battling maternal instincts almost on the one hand you really want to nourish him on the other hand you you can't imagine and you can't stand doing something that would make you feel alienated from him and that was part of what was overwhelming I think (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. just as you articulated that it was just like oh my goodness here come the waterworks 
and we were a bit of a mess. It was a low. It felt like it might last forever. <laughs> Everything feels like it would last forever right now, doesn't it? Yeah. And it bit. ended up being, I think, a really healthy really turning point for us. For this week, anyway. Right. And then we'll see what comes next. Yes. But it gave us permission to try something else that might help us flourish instead of just digging ourselves deeper into the ground. I suspected we might have the same low Yeah. this week. Shall I move on to highs? Yes. Okay, let me go first because I think I know what your high is. You do. My high came just last night, actually. I was holding Oliver, bouncing him on the yoga ball, by which my mother-in-law pointed out that that makes it sound like maybe I'm throwing him down on a yoga ball. That's not the case. I am holding him and bouncing on the yoga ball up and down. He seems to like the bouncing movement. But last night I told him the first story, which was just a made-up story about a weaver. And that's all that you get to hear for now. But it was just this moment, and he started falling asleep, which was maybe slightly insulting because it was a pretty riveting story. But also kind of the point. But (laughs) also kind of the point. That's true. It was a bedtime story. But it was just a neat moment. And... Uh, of holding him and sharing and making something up, just kind of entering that childlike world of make-believe. So it was just sweet. It was fun. Rachel was actually out washing baby bottles, so it was just me and him in our room. I've really enjoyed watching you this week. I think both of us, but my enjoyment has come from watching you just be more playful with him, which I think you are a playful person. It doesn't I am the most always come out around person. other adults, <laughs> depending on who you are. But to see that relationship you have with Oliver develop is a beautiful, fun thing for me. Thanks. That's good. Tell us what your high is, Rachel. Well, my high was in the span of 12 hours, which unfortunately started with the poor boy getting circumcised at her doctor's office. Didn't even know if we were going to talk about this, but here we go. Here we go, into the depths. We promise not to hold back too much. So he gets circumcised, and he gets brought back to us, and he was asleep at first, but as soon as they sent him down, he's screaming because he just experienced a surgery (laughs) a few days after his birth. And they're like, okay, you can try to feed him, which of course this is in the midst of all of these breastfeeding challenges. But I really wanted to in that moment. We didn't have any of the bottles with us, so that it was kind of like, okay, I need to try to do this. And eventually we got him latched, and it wasn't that bad this time, which, you know, the next time it was probably really horrible. But this one time it wasn't that bad by the grace of God. And... And then he fell asleep and he was out. And I don't always feel confident in my motherhood yet. It's early. I just don't have a lot of experience with babies. There's a lot of reasons why I feel not capable of this. But in that moment, I put my son to sleep and he's content. Even after this thing, it felt like we were developing a trusting relationship. Like he trusted us, not that he could resist, but to (laughs) care for him and to have the surgery and then to come back to us into our arms and we're his parents. We're going to watch out for him always. I didn't even know that was such a significant moment for you. Yeah. I love doing this. (laughs) I hear all these (laughs) things. It's a surprise. Yeah. So that felt like a big deal to me to have that moment with him. And then later that evening, as Matt was describing, he often bounces Oliver on the yoga ball. These two things are not really connected. You did a creative thing 
like I twelve hour the first 12 window. Hours. You could have just said I have two quick ones or something, but you know I like. But it came in the span of bonus points for connecting it through time. Yeah. Yep. So that night, Matt is bouncing Oliver on the yoga ball to try to get him to sleep, and all of a sudden we start to hear this hissing sound in the bedroom, and we're like, "What? What is that?" And then Matt realizes that the yoga ball has developed a small hole as he's bouncing. And rather than get up and not bounce Oliver, because he was so close to sleep, Matt is dedicated to the task to keep bouncing. You have to understand the level of desperation because, you know, if you can get him to sleep. Then you get to sleep. That's how this works. This the whole ball game. And as soon as he's done feeding the time clock starts. Yeah, right. Until the next time he's going to have to feed. And so he was pretty much asleep. I knew if I got up, there was a good chance that wasn't going to kind of lock in. So Matt does what every desperate parent would at this point. He plugs his finger into the hole that is starting to develop in the yoga ball. Think that story of the little Dutch boy who sees the hole in the dike and puts his finger in there to stop the waters flooding in. That was me with the yoga ball But the yoga ball is between my legs. So he has Oliver kind of nooked into one arm. One finger's in the hole in the yoga ball. And he goes, Rachel, you have to go find duct tape. I'm like, okay, I have no idea where duct tape is, but I will find it. So I run out to our guest room. I try to find tape in there. Can't find it. Run to the garage. Finally find duct tape. This is maybe two, three minute adventure. I run back into the room. I'm like, I have the duct tape. And Matt's sitting there, still bouncing, still committed to getting Oliver to fall asleep. Whatever it takes. (laughs) And then he turns to me and he says, it's getting bigger. So what I can feel at this moment, when I first put my finger over the hole, I think it's just a puncture, just a single kind of hole. So then in that case, I should just be able to put my finger over it and it will just seal it off. But what I feel as Rachel comes in is that it might not be a puncture so much as a tear, and the tear is starting to spread out past the pad of my fingertip, which is not a good sign. And that's when I say it's getting bigger. And then... And then the next thing I know, the yoga ball doesn't pop, but slowly deflates out, like the seam is ripping across the yoga ball, and Matt is rolling onto his back as the yoga (laughs) ball completely goes out from underneath him, rolls onto his back with Oliver in one hand, kind of curls around him, this like protective father snail thing. (laughs) Okay, I just want to pause here, because previously Rachel had described it as kind of a James Bond-like role. But then when we get on the podcast, you describe it as a father snail thing? You know, tomato and tomato. We don't have podcast rehearsals, but we might have to now because you could have described that in a way cooler way. Well, it was very James Bond-like because as he rolls him, Oliver does not stir. He is out. He is fast asleep, which was the miracle of all miracles. Matt stands up, puts Oliver in the bassinet, and he is zonked. (laughs) I was just crying, but from laughing this time, and it was a welcome change. It was pretty hilarious. I was so grateful because obviously then your critical soothing tool is now sitting in tatters, literal tatters on your bedroom floor. So we did panic order a new yoga ball from Target oh, within yeah, at minutes. Three, at 3 a.m., I think. <laughs> I was, we were able to rock him to sleep one time, but I just thought, I, I got to get a yoga ball. Yeah. This one was specifically advertised on the package, 
as being anti-burst. So I thought that is good news. <laughs> so there's uh, my 12-hour high. I'm glad I brought you so much joy with my father snail thing. Let's move on to some takes. Some takes. Go for it. Okay. My take is this. Since becoming a parent, I'm now very proud to announce that I am a medical professional. You know, I suddenly have a lot more empathy for those people on Facebook who read a few articles and now think they can either diagnose or predict or be confident about what's happening with them or their children because I am now that person. I, I have explanations for whatever Oliver is doing at any time that are medically accurate and scientifically founded. Wow. I, I will say things with such confidence that may or may not be true at all. And I just find this a very interesting phenomenon that with fatherhood suddenly becomes just not only a fountain of new information, but also a fountain of ability to just make things up. It's kind of shocking. I think that swelling's going down. So that must mean da-da-da-da-da. Exactly. Oh, look, his eyes are tracking my fingers. So he's at three weeks of optical development and is probably also recognizing my face and voice. Uh, with such confidence. Yeah, I... Like I said, I've become a medical professional. I'm not going to claim that we should be putting me down as his pediatrician yet, but I am well on my way. That's my take. This is my disclaimer for the podcast that we don't get sued. No one, no one should be taking medical advice from Matt. Or this podcast. Or this podcast. Yeah, fair enough. Thanks. That's my take. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. I think it's a true take. There you go. My take for this week is how critical and crucial community is and has been this past week even just as i've had these breastfeeding challenges the ability to reach out to certain people whether parents or not parents or medical professionals anyone that i've talked to this week major thanks to you both for the encouragement that hey you guys are the best parents for oliver sometimes as simple as that And then sometimes just the permission to say, for example, our lactation consultant, hey, if you need to pump to get a break, it's okay. The permission in that moment was so freeing. And then talking to some other people and them saying, you know, this was my journey, breastfeeding, or hey, it doesn't matter. Regardless, I know you're going to be a great parent. It just made the world of a difference this week to have that encouragement and support regardless of what decisions we made. And I don't think I would have kept grinding. But because those people came alongside us and gave us permission to do what we needed to do to take care of ourselves and take care of Oliver, it felt freeing and it did feel like a turning point. Yeah. Speaking of community, we have one last part of the podcast. Yes, This is now a bonus. So we've heard from a number of you in different ways, and we're really grateful and kind of amazed that anyone is listening. But we had a person this week email us at timstake at gmail.com. Our official email. Our official email. And so this is now a mailbag segment where we want to look back (laughs) at some feedback, some reflections from one of you listeners. This comes from our friend Andre Yahalkovsky which is just a great last name in itself. I'm not going to read the whole email, but I just want to read a couple of parts and uh, then we will offer some reactions. It begins, guys, I love your podcast. Two exclamation, no, one exclamation mark. Probably merited two. You guys are amazing. That was the encouragement we were looking for. He goes on to talk about last week, we talked about parenting as being hard. And I think in my take, I talked about just 
the importance and value of sharing that and the challenge that that seems to be. And so Andre shared some really helpful perspective. He says, I think there's a guilt that comes as to why you can't always share with people about the difficulty of parenting. For those who aren't parents, sometimes there's just this feeling, for me, he says, that I don't want to have to paint the picture for them about why it's hard because there's little for them to go off of. When you're talking with other parents, the depths of the hardship are more accessible. And I felt less guilt because I know that they also know the negative feelings I'm feeling. He goes on to say, I agree, though, hardship should be talked about more and should be accepted more. Feeling the comfort of others going through the same thing is so helpful and reassuring. I don't know if you have any reactions to that. I just thought it was such a helpful thing because he identifies how all the conversations that we have are relationally contextual. And the admirable caution that he demonstrates here of not wanting to sort of overburden or offer actually unrealistic expectations of how hard it could be when it might not be that hard. And we kind of have the ability here in podcasting that we actually, we are in a kind of listener relationship with you, but it's context less. <laughs> so we are able to just say these things, not knowing where you're coming from or how you're hearing them, which frees us up, I think, to say them in maybe a clearer way and is maybe the gift of this kind of medium. But I appreciated the fact that he was saying one of the reasons that sometimes parents are not wanting to share this is because you have that context of the relationship and you don't know how they might hear or you do know how they hear and so you don't want to share in that way. I thought that was just insightful yeah, and a helpful clarification too because I certainly wasn't trying to come at parents for not sharing with us the difficulties. But do you have any thoughts about Andre's comments there? Yeah, I think it's super difficult to our friends or anyone who's listening who doesn't have kids but is maybe one day thinking about it you don't want to explain so much that they would be so fearful that <laughs> parenting is just a disaster. So you do try to lighten the depths of some of this. But also, it honestly would have been really helpful to have that perspective and to feel like we weren't alone. And so when we started reaching out this week, that's what made a big difference. But I think the more that we can be honest about the realities and I think what's helpful about, at least for us processing in this kind of medium, is that every week, you know, there are days and hours that are harder than others and days and hours that are so much more joyful. And so trying to capture all of that, I think, is really the truest picture. Yeah, right. That's why we do highs and lows (laughs) or lows and highs, depending how you look at it. Well, a big thanks to Andre for reaching out. He also added, you're creating an amazing parenting community by this podcast. So I didn't know that we had a parenting community, but apparently we do. Andre is at least part of it. He might be the only one. But let us just say, you too could be part of a mailbag here at the end of the podcast. And it doesn't have to be serious. Andre also talked about packing bags and some other things as well. So if you have a joke, a good dad joke, or a good mom joke that Keep you want to share. Keep us entertained at three in the morning. You know, we're happy to share those as well. But we're really grateful to have people listening. I think this is mostly beneficial for Rachel and I, kind of processing each week. But we're happy to have you along listening and in. love your encouragement. Love the encouragement. We do appreciate that. That's really a gift to us and has been this week in a major way. Well, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And friends, that's your gym's take.